Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, three people who can jump gallantly to a Russian sub. It's Aaron Denae and today's pop culture guru on Sip Pop. Did you like that one? That was fun. Hey. Welcome to Sif Pop uh, with Aaron and Danae. We're streaming live on Mixler every Friday at noon central or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Uh! Every week we'll be joined by a pop culture guru to chat about movies, television, whatever else our little pop culture brains want to wander into. And today our pop culture guru is John Hanlon. Welcome, John. Hi, thanks for having me on. No problem, man. I've been trying to hook this up for a little while. Uh, I think we connected on Twitter. And I think uh, so, yeah. I've enjoyed seeing your opinions on movies. I'm always looking for fellow, you know, movie reviewers uh, who, you know, I kind of jive with and and like how they look at film. And you've you've been one. So uh, it's good to have you on. And you can find out more about what John does at johnhanlonreviews.com. So did I see you've actually written stuff for like CNN.com, that kind of stuff? Uh, yeah, in the past, I've contributed to CNN and TheWeek.com, so I've done I've done a mix of different things. Very cool. So we're glad to have you on. So today we'll be talking about, um, we'll do some Do We Care right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Then we'll be talking a little bit about the Coen Brothers' new movie, Hail Caesar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we'll be talking about the TV new show. TV hit, American Crime Story, People v. O.J. Simpson. If it wasn't good enough the first time you saw it on television, right. <laughs> when it was real. <laughs> Let's just keep milking that one. <laughs> They're redoing it. Uh, and then, of course, we'll end with our buried treasure. So, yeah. You gonna ready? Be, it's going to be a busy one. I uh, know. I'm excited. We've got a lot to talk about. I actually saw the movie this week. So, um, What? <laughs> I know. You saw a movie? <laughs> I, took a, I took a hiatus from watching movies. I was getting like super burned out and stressed out about it. Yeah. And Aaron was like, I really want you to see this one. But we'll get to that here in just a second. Yeah, let's start with a little, a little bit around a Do We Care. Danae's going to... Offer up some pop culture headlines, and uh, John and I will say whether or not we care about them, and maybe we'll have a few extra comments. So this week for Do We Care, I went to um, NBC to kind of see like what their pop culture news sort of like looks okay, like. Sure, I kind of go to different sure. websites and get different information. Mm-hmm. And um, I have decided that I hate NBC News website. <laughs> and here's why. Here's why. What I've done is I've loaded in all my tabs with the story that I wanted to cover. Sure. What it has been doing is running the videos and the stories oh, in the no. background. So what was going to be a conversation about uh, the NFL allowing people to kind of like go on the field using drones and really interesting uh-huh. things sure. this year for the, uh, for which the is filming. kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is now a story about a fast-moving winter storm bringing snow to the messy commute in the Northeast. So, <laughs> Which, by the way, John, you know all about that messy commute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this yeah, one's... today we had a storm in Massachusetts. So we have a few inches on the ground, and yeah, it's coming. This one's about Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders now. So you have no idea what the articles originally were, or you do? You can remember? 
No, I don't really. I mean, not can enough. You use, to can be you use your browser's it. back button? It's not working. No, this is this is why I'm saying I hate this website now. <laughs> I will never use this website again. Um, I do. So have, it sends you from one store to another. Yeah, it just takes you through, and you can't go back. It's like it's running on the page itself. Wow. So in this, do we care? Is yes, we do care about how you build your website. <laughs> we do care about how you choose to present information to your general public. <laughs> like. Can we get smart about that? Like, yeah, that's well. Ah. They do so many things sometimes. Like the automatic playing video in and of itself is something that always annoys me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, let me decide when I want to watch a video. Thousands of Syrians flocked Turkish borders <laughs> that north is not of what the. We're going like, to talk about that. Is not at all <laughs> yeah. what I wanted to talk about. So I'm kind of frustrated because there was actually some interesting things, and in, they're all escaping my mind. I didn't have to keep them in my brain because I had the tabs open. Yeah. So the only thing that I have up here that was a single story. Is that Joe Alas? Is it Alaski? He was the voice of Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny. Uh, he passed away at age sixty-three. So there's been a lot of you know things in pop culture about I fans wishing him well, yeah, and, and really honoring what he did for you know our a lot of our youth was spent watching Daffy Ducks and Bugs Bunny do their thing. So. Yeah, I I have to say that is something I definitely care about because I think voice actors are some of the most underappreciated uh, talent in the, you know, kind of pop culture industry. That is changing a little bit, but, um, but yeah, I, I think especially those old school guys do not get the credit they deserve because everybody remembers, you know, Daffy Duck or whoever, exactly. but they don't necessarily know who the voice was that provided that, and they're the ones doing the acting. I mm-hmm. mean, granted, it's, it's a teamwork between them and the animators, right? But at the same time, I wish they would, you know, get more credit. I did find one other one. Um, a te- well, let's stay on this. John, did you have anything oh, you, yeah, wanted, yeah, yeah. you wanted to add to I just want to let you know that I found one. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think it's really sad that usually we find out the names of these voice actors the day they die, because that's, that's when it's in the news. Mm-hmm. But throughout our lives, they influence who we are. And so it, it's tragic that they're not appreciated when they're here, but then we're all very sad when, when they pass on. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I, you know, I wish I could give props to some living voice actors right now. The truth of the matter is, you know, like I I remember these guys and like if I heard their name, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I love him. He does, you know, Fry from Futurama or or the guy that does Bender, you know, is is also a prominent voice actor. Also Jake from Adventure Time. Adventure Time. Yeah, yeah. So these guys that have these great flexible voices and I feel like a hypocrite because I can't remember their names right now. And that's really bothersome to me. So I think when we're done here, I'm just going to. Look up, you know, all of my favorite voice actors and just give them props while they're still breathing on the earth because they deserve it. They do great work. You can send them a message. Actually physically let them know. (laughs) Well, it was one of my things I said about Kung Fu Panda 3, which I've always said about the Kung Fu Panda movies. As good as they are, I actually like those movies. They're well done. But it's one thing I've always said about them is I don't like the way they cast their voices. It very much seems to be based on name recognition Mm -hmm. rather than character. That's something I've always loved about Pixar is they are character first. They don't care if the, the actor is a name. They want the you know the actor that can portray the character, but in the Kung Fu Panda movies, it's like Angelina Jolie and Seth Rogen and you know all these big names, and I just like you know you could have found somebody better. It's al- it's also interesting because um, I think I'm gonna say it's Alaski. I, I hope that's okay, how sure. to pronounce his name, but he took over the Bugs Bunny voice from was it Mel, Mel Blank? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that do you think about that? Like he had to perfect somebody else's character. Right. So yeah. it's just another mm-hmm. level of his ability to do a really good job. And you really see that with job. the Henson stuff, too, right? Yeah. 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 Kind of neat stuff. Um, um, well, I did find one more. Okay. Uh, oh, two more. I'll go me. <laughs> oh, guys. You should be so proud of me. Uh, we'll start with this one. McDonald's is now going to start serving books instead of toys. I think they're trying to... And add the question. Do we care? I don't actually care about that. That's not what Wait, McDonald's... They're serving books? They're, instead of the toys and their Happy Meals. They're going to be little books? Yeah, like books. Like, Happy Valentine's Day, Mouse, and Pete the Cat. Valentine's Day is cool. Pete like the that. Cat? Pete the Cat made an appearance on our, <laughs> on other, our, part, podcast. On our other podcast, Shoe the yeah. Dough. That's funny. That is funny. Chick-fil-A's been doing this forever. That, that, that's kind of interesting. I, I, I would say I care about that. That's kind of an interesting choice because, I mean, kids play with toys. It's just an inevitability. So I don't see anything wrong with giving away toys. I think it's good. I think I care. I think I care that they have a moment where they have a still physical thing to flip through and read instead of a screen in front of them. I think it's a good reminder of. I, I think know. it's I think it's a band aid on you know kind of the cultural shift that is just happening. Like it's you know I 
Of course, that does mean they're killing trees. I thought the same thing. <laughs> There's always something, right? Right. I, I thought the same thing when they started serving apples, you know, mm-hmm. instead of French fries. It's like, okay, I get it. Like, I understand what you're doing. But at the same time, you know, I don't, I don't go to McDonald's to feed my kids healthy food or to feed them <laughs> brain books. Like, I go, I go to McDonald's when I need something quick and easy, even if it's not good for them. You know what I mean? Like... They said something like that by the time that this year's giveaway is over, they'll have distributed 50 million children's books. Well, that's kind of cool. That's a lot that's of books. Yeah, I mean, it, it's great. So are they getting rid of the option of toys? I'm very concerned about losing McDonald's toys. <laughs> Do you collect them? <laughs> that's a good point. I, I, I have a uh, box of old McDonald's toys I, got, I collected from like the 80s. Really? Uh, so I don't, I don't currently collect them, but I used to. Oh, man, I remember some of those old toys. They, are, they had like the wind-up toys were the coolest. And it's like you get like the wind up, you know, like the burger guy. What's the burger? Not the hamburglar, but the actual burger character. They had like a burger with eyes and a mouth back in the day. And like you wind it up and he'd like walk around the desk. Vividly remember that stuff. It's amazing. I, I was really that. into the ones that are shaped like burgers or Happy Meals. And they're like uh, little transformers. You open them yes. up and they're like characters. Yes. I love yeah. those. I have a bunch of those. Yes. McDonald's Transformers. Uh, More than meets the fries. I was off the top of my head, guys. That's that's pretty amazing. In the chat, it said McDee's McDee's faced lawsuits about tricking kids into getting fat from Happy Meals with the toys. So I guess the comment kind of referencing that maybe they decided Mm. to to, do that. So, okay, my last do we care for the day today is, this is the title, a teen films his illegal climb up the Great Pyramid. Do we care? Uh, Wow. Boy, there's a lot to go in there. For sure. I, I do. I mean, I care because we have to you have to figure out how to respond to something like that. Right. Yeah. Like that is not OK. Did he do it for like his YouTube channel? Did he do it for, you know, like a production company? So you do care. I do. Yeah. I, I think I do care enough to, to go a little further into the story. Cool. Um, another reason to not like NBC. Don't have all that information. <laughs> uh, he was a ger- German tourist that he took video and picture of himself and his face as he climbed the Great Pyramid, which is illegal to do. Well, yeah, that's not Because it's cool. been around for a long and time. And that's different than climbing a building, too. That's <laughs> yeah. climbing like a, like a landmark. A historical yeah. structure. <laughs> that, that is really old and could be falling apart. I wonder how much trouble yeah. he's going to get into. I don't know. I always thought if I were to climb something, it'd have to be like the Leaning Tower of Pisa, so I have like a head start. I'll climb the side that's got gravity with me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I would never do that. I, I wonder if they're going to charge him for this. I mean, I can't oh, believe he videotaped to. himself doing it. Uh, yeah, completely. I mean, like, it's going to be easy to identify him. him. Well, and then yeah. you look at, but see, you look at uh, the recent, you know, documentary and also um, film uh, starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt about the guy that did the high wire oh, walk. yeah, yeah. The, the, two, mm-hmm. the two towers. towers. Um, the movie's called The Walk. And he's being, you know, kind of lifted up, you know, put on this pedestal, so to speak. Uh, and so I can see why people, you know, do these kind of things, but you just, there are laws, right? You just have to, he's quoted as saying, you know, there are people shouting at me in Arabic, but I just ignored them, kept climbing and listened to my music. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, at the top, apparently now we know from the very top of this pyramid took about eight minutes for him to reach the top, by the way. So not, not all that long of time. He sits down and he just surveys, you know, the world around him it's a fascinating video to watch so in one hand like i i'm upset with him for doing it because obviously this is not okay yeah um it yeah. took him eight minutes to climb up 20 minutes to climb down and um i'm i'm glad that i got to kind of see it waiting at the bottom of course were the police and they did take him into custody in the chat they're saying they're glad he wasn't american and crazy mike said yeah you can tell he's not american because he didn't spray paint his name at the top when he, got there. <laughs> he didn't tag it <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, and just to just just to follow up on the comparison between this guy and the guy from the walk, I wouldn't say that the guy from the walk negatively affected physically the two towers. Right. Whereas you could say that he messed up a historical building, uh, a historical pyramid. You know? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's a fair point. That's exactly right. Um, I mean, the two towers were just being built at that time when he yeah. did the walk. They weren't even finished. That's crazy. Isn't that insane? Oh, my goodness. Have you seen either the documentary or the movie? 
today? No. I don't even know why I asked that question half the time. No. You, you, you don't watch many movies. But... Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, here, here's the thing. I just invested like two and a half minutes to watch this video kind of in the background where we've been uh-huh. talking and learning such kind of different things about the story of what happened with right, this kid. Right, right. And that's about all I want to spend on it. <laughs> I am, I well, am part of pop story. culture where it's like, just give me the, give me the information in a few minutes sure. and I'll move on. Well, it is an incredible story. <laughs> it's worth knowing the story at least. Uh, well, there we go. A little bit of do we care. So appreciate that. Thanks, Danae. Hey, I'm glad that I eventually was able to recover all I cared of those about things. most of that stuff. You cared about most of those things. All right, so let's go on to the movie. Here's a little clip from Hail Caesar. I mean, we may tell ourselves that we're creating something of artistic value or there's some sort of spiritual dimension to the picture business, but what it really is is this fat cat, Nick Skank, out in New York, running this factory, uh, serving up these lollipops to the, what they used to call the, the bread and circuses for the, the, the now you listen to me, Buster. Nick Skank in the studio have been good to you and to everyone else who works here. If I ever hit you bad-mouthing Mr. Skank again, it'll be the last thing you say before I have you tossed in jail for colluding in your own abduction. Eddie, I wouldn't, I would never do that. Shut up. You're gonna go out there and you're gonna finish Hail Caesar. You're gonna give that speech to the feet of the penitent thief and you're gonna believe every word you say. You're gonna do it because you're an actor and that's what you do. Just like the director does what he does and the writer and the script girl and the guy who claps the slate. You're gonna do it because the picture has worth and you have worth if you serve the picture and you're never gonna forget that again. I won't forget Eddie. Damn right you won't. Not as long as I run this dump. You picked a long clip, man. Man. Go out there and be a star. Yeah. <laughs> Go out there and be a star. Wow. And you let there be some PG-13 language, sir. I didn't you know what you should have done? You should have gone beep. <laughs> yeah. Like right at that would. exact moment. Uh, so that is Hail Caesar. It stars uh, those two men, George Clooney and Josh Brolin, kind of at the center of the story. Although there's lots of amazing actors and actresses that are in this i saw scarlett johansson and Mm -hmm. uh many many others as well and it is about kind of the early 1950s studio josh brolin is trying to keep everything together at the studio josh brolin's like the head of the studio and by the way before we get too far into this we're not going to do any spoiler major spoilers for you just kind of general information about whether you may or may not want to go check out this movie so we like to start off with kind of general thoughts. Uh, did we like it? Did we love it? Was it okay? Did we dislike it? Uh, or did we hate it? Danae, what did you think? I loved it. Uh, I loved it as well. And John, we should mention you haven't seen it. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience with the Coen brothers and what you would look forward to in a movie like this? Uh, well, this is from the advertisements. I, I don't know exactly what to expect. It looks like a comedy, but like the Coen brothers always... They also have comedies that deal with serious issues, and so I'm I'm excited to see this. Uh, I've I've heard mixed things, but usually with this, I've heard that a lot of people really loved it, and then a lot of people didn't like it at all. Hmm. And so I'm I'm excited to see what on what side the spectrum I fall on. You know, that's not too uncommon with Coen Brothers films. You know, there are these directors mm-hmm. who have such a specific take on the world that. You know, you either jive with it or you don't. And the Coen brothers are interesting in the fact that you're right. They have a specific way to see the world, but they do different types of movies. You know, Fargo is a very different movie, you know, from this one. Uh, The Big Lebowski is a very different movie from this one. You know, so you look at what the Coen brothers do and what you do know is you're going to get quirky characters. You're going to get interesting dialogue. And you're going to get a story. And I think Hail Caesar uh, does really well on all those accounts. I think I was just in the mood for this movie. Like, I was. It was a refreshing movie because yeah. it kind of drops you right into the middle of this guy's life. Uh, this is Josh Brolin's character named Eddie Mannix, who is like the main guy at a film. Capital Pictures. Capital Pictures, yeah. making movies in the 50s. And so you're dropped into his world and then because you're on a film set, there's all these other little side things going on. So if you love movies, then you get to see like behind the scenes of how all these movies were made, which like is one old of school movie, old making. school movie yeah. making. Yeah. yeah. You know, ladies, you know, doing synchronized swimming and, you know, dance numbers here. And uh, like there's just this really Channing Tatum dance numbers. Yes. It's <laughs> all. But then underneath all of that. 
you have this really quirky, random thing happening that just propels the story through the entire movie, which we can't tell you about because it would be a huge spoiler for you. But there's a reason that we are zooming in on Josh Brolin's life in that moment and we're along for the ride. Um, I loved how they presented the story and I loved the beginning, the middle, the end, all the characters in between. Every single character has something quirky going on. Right, yeah, yeah. And the way that the writers choose to present each character and each moment, it's like they don't just spoon feed. You don't have to know everything. It's like you're just literally dropped into a moment and you're making assumptions about what's been happening with its relationships beforehand because it's very clear that Josh Brolin's character is um, like he knows everything that's going on. But we are just observing that he knows everything that's going on. So it's just, I don't know, it's hard to kind of describe. Well, it's mo- really fun. The Coen Brothers movies are always so character-driven, right? So you mentioned the quirkiness. All these characters have, you know, just, they're very distinct and unique and mm-hmm. interesting. And they also understand likability because I really liked Mannix. Like, he was, gr- you know, gruff, as you heard in the clip. He was, you know, up front. But he had this tender side to him yeah. that I really identified with. Sure. Like he really cared about doing the right thing and he cared about, you know, pursuing purpose and, and all these different things. And I was just like, I really associated with that character. There was another character who was uh, like uh, a kid who had made his his chops on Westerns. And they Western were a- movies. Yeah, Western movies. And he, they were asking him to do more drama pictures. And- Hobie Doyle is that character's name. Yeah loved him too like i want to see more movies with that character you know what i mean like i want to live in their world more here's the interesting thing each of these characters when you meet them eddie mannix and baird whitlock and hobie doyle and all these people clooney plays uh, baird whitlock like a famous movie star and deanna morin is scarlett johansson you know Mm -hmm. so each time we meet one of these people there's like a decision going on in their life that they're having to make in that moment too but we're not zoomed into their life and then like off on another bunny trail it, it kind of like feels that way for a minute like oh are we gonna go on this adventure now and then no it always kind of comes back to eddie mannix mm-hmm. played by josh brolin who by the way i don't i haven't seen him i don't know what else he's done brolin yeah oh lots of stuff like i don't um, i didn't i recognize his face but i had no like who is this guy he the most recent and he grew thing- on me as the movie went on like i was really i really enjoyed him uh the most recent thing that i really loved him in was when he imitated a young Tommy Lee Jones in the Men in Black uh, sequel. I thought he was <laughs> phenomenal in that. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, did okay. a great job with that. But he's been in a, in a ton of stuff. If you look up his filmography, I'm sure you'll see him. He was in The Goonies. <laughs> yes, he was. What? Who was he in The Goonies? Was he one of the bad guys? Wasn't he like <gasps> the older one of the older brothers? He was one of the bad guy brothers, wasn't he? I think so. It's oh, been... <laughs> my goodness. That is amazing. I loved that movie. Wait, so- if you guys could compare this to any other Coen's movie from the past, what would it be? This will say a lot about my love for the Coen brothers. Um, I would compare it to The Hudsucker Proxy, which is my favorite Coen brothers movie. It feels very yeah. light and fun and uh, character-driven and interesting, and it doesn't have uh, a lot of the darkness that some of their movies uh, do. And mm-hmm. for me, that, that makes it a much more enjoyable ride. Although there is a moment, and I won't give it away. Maybe we can talk about that if we do a spoiler section uh, about this movie. There is a moment that's like a little dark, but it is also oh the my gosh. funniest moment in the entire film. <laughs> it's amazing. It was incredible. But um, but that's the thing with, with Hudsucker, too, is there are all these moments where I'm just like the comedy, because of the way they take their time with the comedy and set things up, uh, it's just... For me, it works perfectly. But this movie doesn't... It's not just, like, straight comedy. I don't know any Coen Brothers movies, but, like... So I can't compare it to it, but it has a lot of depth to it. So there's funny moments. There's thoughtful moments. There's completely still moments where you're sitting watching this movie and literally nobody is moving on the screen. Mm -hmm. And it gives you a chance to pause and really, like, sink into a moment. And then there's depth, like, deep, deep conversations that you get to be a part of. And that was one of my favorite favorite parts of this whole the religious I loved conversation it from the start to the finish i love this movie which is awesome to be able to say but yeah the conversations there's this depth there's these there's a religion conversation that i think everyone should at least read if not <laughs> just listen to like i hope the clip surfaces somewhere on the interwebs as time goes on and people can just be in that moment together because it just like sums everything up so nicely and and it's funny 
It's oh, and yeah. it still manages to be very funny. Oh, and that's yeah. what the Coen brothers are so great at. They're so great at being smart and clever with their dialogue and at the same time being really, really funny. And I think this movie does that. Um So it's obviously really, really we well. liked it. Yeah. Was there anything that you like think is maybe like the best shining example of this movie? Like that you'd be like, This is how what you would tell someone to go see like if you told someone to go see this movie. Uh, I, well, for I mean, for me, it's the characters. You know, I've already kind of talked about it a little bit. Yeah, I, I think the characters are are what the, makes this movie tick, and the way that you fall in love with these, you know, these people huh. is, I think, really interesting. So I would, I would say go see it for the history, because I th- I think I I have a new appreciation for movies because of this movie. Oh, interesting. Because yeah. of seeing how it was. You know, like the history of how movies were made. And mm-hmm. it, it actually goes into all these different complexities of the writers. And I don't know, you just get to see this world differently. Mm-hmm. And I kind of found myself appreciating movies differently after this movie. For kind of as an art form? Yeah. A collaborative art form that yeah. they are? Yeah, and I yeah. felt like the lead character is protecting that art form. Even though yeah, some people the... think it's a big circus or whatever. Or that he really felt like he was trying to just do the right thing by protecting that environment. Yeah. You know, now here we are in 2015 you know, movies have changed so much, but it was like, I don't know. There was, that's why I always say go see it is there's like a kind of a neat, there's also a neat Instagram filter kind of going on the whole time. You know, like it's almost like they shot it in older, like with older equipment because there, well, the, the, the it's lighting, not widescreen for the, one. Yeah. The I mean, lighting and the, the colors were different. Yeah. Which I liked. Yeah. So very, it felt like sharp. it was actually in the fifties, which cool. is cool. Is there anything you didn't okay. like about it? Um, as far as negatives go, the only thing, uh, when I look at a movie like this, sometimes I have to think in other people's brains because I won't see something as a negative that somebody else might. In this case, it's the pacing. If you are not like, if it is not jiving with you, there will be sections of this movie where you will be bored. Like they, they are very deliberate with their pace. So, you know, I can see somebody who's not jiving with either the humor or the characters going through a second, you know, a few segments of this movie going, oh, come on, just something happened in the story. Whereas if you're jiving, you're like seeing the intricacies of what's going on with the story and just falling in love with these characters. So I could, that's, that's the only thing I could see for me. And that's probably why people don't like it. Hmm. The other part of that is it may feel too over the top. You know, if you're not used to, you know, the Coen brothers are an acquired taste in some ways, you know, it's not every movie isn't like this, you know, it's, it doesn't have the same level of realism that some movies would have, which is okay with me. How much is George Clooney in this movie? Because the preview makes it seem like he disappears for a long time. But, of course, like he's the, he's the marquee name on the film. He is, he is in this movie more than anybody but Josh Brolin. Okay. I think that's fair to say. So he I is think, one of the main stars. Yeah, I think, I think he and Josh Brolin are in the movie the most. What is really interesting about this, I'm glad you brought it up, because it is, actually it's one of the things I loved about the movie is so many of these actors and actresses are basically doing cameo roles. Mm-hmm. They're basically camp- they're there and gone. Even, you know, but I mean, the- Channing Tatum's in the movie. Scarlett Johansson's in the movie. Scarlett Johansson's in the movie. Neither of them show up for the first, you know, half hour, 45 minutes. It's and not- then they're, you know, they do their thing and they play their part. And It's not put together like a normal movie that I've, I'm used to seeing, mm-hmm. you know, where you have like this linear storyline and you're with a character or whatever. Like, they spend time kind of going off over on this side and going off over on this side. And it's large in part because our main character has a lot of things going on in his life. And so we are going on an adventure where he is turning, you know, just a tiny fraction and having to deal with this issue, turning a tiny fraction and dealing with this part. So there's and there's different people involved in each of those decisions he's making so there's a lot of people in this movie but to me i i didn't mind that at all no i didn't mind it at all either i was just trying to think is tilda swinton in this movie more than george clooney she played the twin right she's uh, like a writers. reporter like a gossip columnist she's in here quite a bit but I it's think, only for no, bits and pieces i think clooney is definitely has second to josh Brolin has the most screen time yeah. i would agree with that yeah but it is obviously a movie about Brolin and his character yeah. the movie yeah. is obviously about what his character is going through and uh, it's a fun, and rightfully it's so. so fun. It is. That's I have to thing. tell you the, the the clip that you played, uh-huh. you know, to kind of present this is if you couldn't tell was, you know, George Clooney kind of talking. Uh, it's I'll totally out of context for anyone who hasn't seen it. And and then Josh Brolin's character, you know, Eddie Mannix, he gets upset and kind of like you can hear like slapping sounds. Mm-hmm. It was really satisfactory to watch George Clooney get slapped. <laughs> George Clooney gets slapped around like a little, you know, like a little kid. That was actually really fun. 
I don't. I really enjoyed that that scene. I enjoyed all of the scenes. Well, there's though. the there, there's the idea of the big movie star that thinks they know everything and you know thinks they, you know, they're willing to hop from one cause to another and have to be brought down to earth. And... But but Clooney had just had this huge revelation of mind. Right. Which... He thought he had had this huge revelation right. of mind, and all it took were a few slaps to get him back to. The other oh no, way. I was wrong. I'm right, back, right, right. You know. So. Um, I would say if there was a negative, and you're right, Aaron, like because I did enjoy this movie so much, I have to think about what would potentially be uncomfortable or un- unenjoyable for other people, and I'm wondering if one of those things is that um, there is a real religious or. Uh, I guess religion. I think religious is the right thing, or spiritual. It, yeah, there's a definite spiritual bent in this movie. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 not just about you know a day in the life of this guy. It's it's really questioning and and putting words to beautiful words to a lot of really complex human layers. Mm-hmm. One of them being spirituality or uh, what religion you serve or what um, government you serve. Like mm-hmm. there's just a lot of yeah that. But the way that they do it, it's not like it's too much. But then there's some scenes where it's so on the nose, but it's played off. Mm-hmm. So somebody might get uncomfortable sitting there having to think about some of the things that they're putting in front of you. But I loved that. About I thought it. the Christianity stuff in in this was spectacular. Because it was. I thought it was amazing. It, I never felt like. I mean, as a Christian woman myself, I I didn't feel like they were making fun of no, religion. I never felt that way. I didn't think so. It was just presented in a way that was really beautiful and interesting mm-hmm. and different. Well, it was presented artistic. in a way that brings home the dichotomy of doing an artistic production and how is that viable to really convey deep spiritual truth? Can you really do it? And the dichotomy of what it's like to make it, which is sometimes seems frivolous and strange, and what it's like to see it, which can be life-changing. You know? I really hope that you go see this movie. Come back and listen to this podcast and kind of join in. I'm curious about what you think. Aaron and I will do a spoiler cast for sure where we talk more in-depth about the movie and kind of some yeah. of the things that go through it. But I'm really glad you liked it that much. I, it was interesting. Um, John, I don't know if you've had an experience of going to a Coen Brothers film. Uh, when you go to a Coen Brothers film, it's always great to see the quirky characters on the screen. But then there's also the quirky characters that... Go to Coen Brothers movies. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Let's talk about that. <laughs> so today had a wonderful experience. So we sit in the back row, and I actually went with my um, my brother's girl, Callie. She came with. So it was uh, you and your wife, mm-hmm. Aaron, and then my friend Callie and I. And I don't know, maybe like ten or fifteen minutes into the movie, a guy. Well, people walked in at various points right. at the first. Well, 20 we got to in there. There was minutes. only one person in the theater. But in the us. movie, I think there was like ten yeah. or so. Yeah. Or so. Um, but anyhow, this guy walks in at one point in time. He walks all the way across, all the way up to the top row, and walks all the way over and sits right, bes- like not right beside me. In an empty theater. In an empty theater. He picks the seat. <laughs> yes. The seat. He puts one seat distance between them. Which I guess I mean that doesn't really happen. <laughs> you know, it's like the. Urinal rule for males. Right. You know, you, yes. you go to the other you end. You go to the opposite you, end. There's a space bubble. But anyway, so he sits down. Wait, so there was one seat between you, but then that was it. Yeah. He was right there. He was right there. I know. And then about, so he, he was there for maybe five minutes and then he leans over and asks me a question. <laughs> he said, his question was, <laughs> hey, did they ever say what year this is in? <laughs> Which of note no, they never do tell you on the oh. nose that the year is 1952, you know, or whatever. Right, right, right. So he was kind of trying to catch up, and he just felt... He then proceeds to chew. He, like, sticks a big thing of tobacco in his mouth, and he's patooing the whole entire movie. Wow. So that was the guy to my right. There was also other stuff going on a couple rows in front of us. you want to talk about us. that? I think it'd be great. Go ahead. Tell us what happened a couple rows in front of us, Danae. So about the time that this guy comes in, there's a couple in front of us, like... One one row between us, and uh, down the way, and he rips gas, <laughs> but it was like the noise. It was like a, a high, bright one, like the kind. If you're gonna try to recreate it, you like put your mouth on your like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was very loud, really loud. I thought he hiccuped. <laughs> and then no one says anything. Nobody moves. And then like I, I'm watching him going. I wonder. Like, did that really just happen? And then he starts cracking up. Like, he just, he couldn't keep from laughing. His wife was right beside him, and 
she was just like they're like ignore it and keep moving on so we had that happening too there you go so and that's during the movie yes during the in like a quiet part where there's nothing going on <laughs> like super oh, loud oh it was amazing they were the first ones to get up and leave <laughs> <laughs> right right at that moment no they stayed for the whole movie uh so yeah we had some interesting characters for sure um if you get a chance i would highly recommend hail caesar i yeah, think i think it's wonderful and I, it, I can see how it's one of those movies that will be determined by the way you jive with it early on. And if you're not jiving with it, I can see how it would become annoying to you. But yeah. uh, I, I certainly was. And, I like uh, seeing it in the theater, too. Yeah. You know, just maybe go see it on a matinee or, you know, just grab... Wait till it's in the dollar theater or something, maybe. Or... I don't know. I would I would send money their way. Yeah. I would invest in it. Yeah. I think it's fun yeah, and it's different. Yeah, stuff. Cool. Well, I'm glad that we both like that one. Yeah. Well, Danae, you want to talk a little bit about uh, how this podcast is supported? Yeah, our podcast is made possible by our fans. We have... Oh, I forgot to play music. Hold on. Oh, okay. There you go. Now you can talk. But now I'm dancing. (laughs) Our podcast is made possible by our fans at Patreon.com. It's like a Kickstarter, but it's for monthly support. And it's people just like you giving a buck a month, three bucks a month, ten bucks a month that makes our entire podcast network possible. Uh, today's show is Sif Pop. We also do two other shows every week with a live audience, and it goes straight into iTunes and Stitcher, and you make that possible. We do everything from our very own studio in the heart of the Ozarks down here in the bunker, and we have a great time doing so. So thank you guys so much for supporting our show uh, and keeping it going. You can go to patreon.com slash Aaron and Danae to see all the details about the different perks you can have at support. And again, it starts at a buck a month. We do have something kind of fun happening with the podcast network. On Tuesdays, we record Shoe the Dough, and you're welcome to come with us uh, Tuesday the 15th. We're going to be, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, the 16th, my bad, February 16th on a Tuesday. I was looking Mm -hmm. at March. In honor of Valentine's Day. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to be doing Bring a Friend to Chat Day and having a big giveaway, so if you want a chance to kind of bring a friend into the chat, win something potentially, we're doing that on the 16th. Very cool. You want to give the uh, the music finish cacaw? Very nice. I, I think that's working. I think that's working very well. We don't have a way to end the music <laughs> easily, so we're trying to come. If you have any suggestions about how to end the music, you know, shoot us an email, let us know. Cacaw works just fine. <laughs> All right, on to our next uh, review, which is of the first episode of the brand new TV show about the trial of O.J. Simpson. It's called American Crime Story, uh, People versus O.J. Simpson. People v. O.J. Simpson, I should say, which stands for... VS, which stands for versus there. Uh, and uh, they're one episode in and got big stars like uh, Travolta. Cuba Gooding Jr. Cuba Gooding Jr. David Schwimmer. Is it still a kid called David Schwimmer, a big star? I mean, he was on Friends, right? Yeah. I mean, that makes him He's a big, big star, star forever. Okay, mm-hmm. good. Just wanted to make sure. Uh, and others that are joining in to retell this story that happened uh, back in the early 90s. And uh, so curious to know what you guys thought. John, let's start with you, since uh, since you didn't get a chance to see the movie. What did you think about uh, about the show? I, w- I really enjoyed it. It's a production of Ryan Murphy, who sometimes does uh, polarizing things. But th- this seems to be a really strong production with a great cast and really solid writing. My only concern, right now the story is about what happened. And so if you follow the story in the 90s, You'll know a lot what ha- of what happened. I'm excited to learn more about the individuals who were involved. There's not that much character development, it seemed, in the first episode. But w- I think they can figure that out in the future. But right now, it has a really strong start for me. Uh, I'd agree with that. I think that was my main concern as well, was I feel like I already know a lot of this. Like I feel like mm-hmm. the, the, they have so much setup to do that I think is important Uh but I, I feel like they're, you know, giving so many of the details in this first episode that I, you know, already knew from, you know, watching the trial or just knowing about it in, you know, pop culture consciousness since then. Um, there was a little bit of the character. I liked some of the character development of uh, Marsha Harden. I thought some of mm-hmm. that stuff was really good. It's, it's interesting to kind of see the kind of person uh, that they're portraying her as, um, you know, and to see kind of the lawyer stuff behind the scenes with OJ, I thought was a little bit interesting. But yeah, I'm I'm ready to go to dig a little deeper in the in the coming episodes. Today, what did you think? Um, I think I'm with you. Part of me is like tired of you know really bringing crime scenes to light, and I sort of feel like it's just a money grab. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of Kardashian name dropping. There's a lot of, I mean, it's an interesting part in our 
in history, but this is such a tragic thing. And this is a real person that was murdered horribly. And I think that two real people that were murdered horribly. Yes. Yeah. Two real yeah. people that were murdered horribly. And, and, um, a lot of questions. It's a lot of pain. Um, but it's clear that they're also talking about, uh, the culture of, um, police crime against, uh, African Americans, um, we're looking at which you can't separate from this nope. this story. I mean, it's it was great to start with the idea of like the Rodney King stuff right. and the mm-hmm. you know the rioting in L.A. I think that's all an important backdrop for what happened. Also, our problem with um, you know putting people in jail who are celebrities for things that they've done or mm-hmm. that they're convicted of doing, you know. And right now we've got uh, you know Cosby. As was happening right now, here's here's another person who has who's very famous, who is, you know, trying to go through the legal system mm-hmm. as a celebrity. Yeah. So uh, there is an interesting part of me, like that's like, yeah, let's bring this stuff to light because maybe hopefully we can fix it. Kind of like that movie where, um, um, got a lot of re- of, of awards. Oh, with Sean Penn. No, it's. The one that just this year won, and it's about uh, the housing market crash. Oh, the big short. Yeah, it's like, okay, yeah, let's talk about these problems with our system Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and use this story to do that. So it's like, yes, let's talk about these being problems, and yes, let's see the things that failed so that we can fix them. Uh, But the bringing up all this stuff again, it just kind of feels, it feels... Icky. Well, I got to respond to that. Yeah. I actually had the opposite reaction, which is bringing this stuff up felt icky, mm-hmm. which is the same reaction. Yeah. But where my mind went was, I'm glad because it's become a joke. The OJ Simpson thing is just, mm-hmm. it's p- something people laugh about. It's like, oh yeah, obviously he did it. He's guilty. You know, in just his his life after the trial and the weird things he would do and different things. And it's become kind of this joke. And what was interesting to me in watching this was like, oh, this this was not a joke. Two yeah. people died viciously. Like, and yeah. I think that's important yeah. to kind of get back to in some way. So I, I am kind of glad that we're visiting it as a, a a real drama and going, okay, this was a real thing with real lives impacted. And some of that stuff with the kids already has been heartbreaking. And yeah, these are, and, and I'm, I'm glad you said two people died because I, you know, I definitely didn't want to forget about the yeah. other, the gentleman that was returning Ronald the Goldman. glasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, John? Yeah, I mean, I, and I think it's an important thing you bring up in terms of context because I remember the O.J. Simpson trial from the mid-90s. I didn't re- really remember the Rodney K- King verdict. I mean, I, I know all about it now. But when the movie begins and they show Rodney King and they show that's the, that's the atmosphere, two years earlier there was this, ter- there, there was this terrible verdict in California. This, this is where people are coming from. This, this is why there's such frustration with the police back then and and that that's why there's going to be this controversy about whether or not he's guilty but you're right a lot of people look back now and they're like oh he definitely did it but we forget about the context and the atmosphere of la and california at that time and And how it would how this this verdict was affected by that and and we i mean not only at that time but we're still dealing with you know the whole police issue and you know black lives matter and all Mm -hmm. those all those things uh, and it's just it just seems like something we're just having a hard time as a nation and as a culture finding our way past, uh, you know, the inequalities and the the lack of access. And what's interesting with the OJ thing, and I think it, the the story is bringing it to light, is it's almost playing against itself, even at the time. Yes, the whole, you know, um, racial inequality and police brutality and all those things with the Rodney King were underneath in the context. The other thing is it plays the opposite of that, which is celebrity and money and, you know, getting 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 away with things because you're rich and because you're known. That's like those are like opposite things playing against each other. And it's one of the things that made the OJ thing so interesting is that, you know, here's a man who could be said was kind of on both sides of that coin in some ways. You know, as a black man, he was certainly, uh, you know, part of any kind of racial inequality. And there were certainly things that came out in the trial and that we will see through the show that show that that was an issue. And then at the same time, he also dealt with being a rich person, you know, trying to get off with a major crime. And so it's just, it's just a really interesting juxtaposition to watch and to think yeah, about. Yeah, I love the scene where Marsha Clark is listening to the interrogation of OJ. Yeah. And she's like, why are they letting him get away with these vague answers? 
And the people she's with is like, well, they're not used to talking to celebrities. Right. Yeah. Like, and they, they just accept it because, oh, he's O.J. Simpson. We'll believe whatever he says. And he says 789. And, and it, I thought that was really important that they included that in this frustration that why are the police treating him differently? That, yeah, that is the that is the character that I'm most excited to see is uh, Sarah Paulson playing Clark, uh, Marsha Clark, who is the prosecutor for the for the uh, crime. And to to read, um, there's a really good article. Um, I think it was like TV Guide or something that they had it. And it was talking to Clark herself about mm-hmm. how she was excited. Who's what a she writer was, now? Yeah. Yeah. To, to see and she was like terrified she's like i don't want to relive this i don't want this to be you know this is a terrible crime that it ha- still there's no one that's been uh prosecuted by it but when she found out who was going to be playing her and who was going to be directing and who was going to be involved in creating the series i think she realized that they're really going to try to do honor to it like be honorable to the story instead of you know just turn it into you know like a true mm-hmm. crime series or um you know, like a CSI type thing, you know, because it's, the reality is, is that this type of show and how they're putting it together very much feels like one of those shows you'd see like a major crimes show mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. you've got the mystery that starts and you've got the crew that's trying to figure it out. And they're just assembling a new crew to show us the story. Um, but they're choosing one of the most famous, you know, unsolved murder cases in American history. It's also interesting that it comes so close on the heels of Netflix's huge success, Making a Murderer, which yeah. is kind but of. Why are we? Why do we? Ugh. Why are there so many murder things? Sorry. <laughs> well, people murder people, and I think that I think it's our sense of justice yeah. is why we're so interested in it. Yeah, because it is it is so vile to us and evil to us that somebody would take somebody else's life. And crime solving, and crime solving is getting towards like there are there is evidence that you that is you cannot deny this being evidence, and that has changed. You know, it used to be just blood type, and now it's DNA. You know, so mm-hmm. there's like there's really interesting. And I think I'm going to get frustrated even more watching the series going, yeah, four, you know, <laughs> we have the technology, you know, so. Well, and yeah, that scene, that scene where uh, OJ's own defense gives him a polygraph and he yeah. fails it completely, yeah. you know, and just like, well, and they say, well, this is why, you know, you can't use these machines in court, you know, and it's like, how do you decide those things? How do you mm-hmm. decide what is admissible? What isn't? And our culture has to deal with that. And at the same time, understand it's all a system by people, made up of people what? who are flawed in on every angle. You know, the, the people yeah. in the defense, the people in the prosecution all make mistakes, you know, and it's a fallible it's system because we're fallible humans, system. Yeah. but there's people, you know, so I hope that they just honor the families and I hope that, you know, at the end of this, that there's something that can be gained. Yeah, you know, for sure. besides just relaunching all of these people into a position of fame, because Cato himself has already been quoted. Like I saw that popped up in my you know news feed today is like Cato is responding and OJ is responding and Clark is res- like all these real legit people who are still alive, still on the planet and still have something to say about mm-hmm. the case are now all having a conversation again. There is one thing that I OK. So when I saw this was coming up, I didn't think I'd learn anything really. Uh, and that there was any like new context of where we live now that would affect the way I see this. And I was wrong. And what it is, is the context we have now with injuries to NFL football players and how that has affected, how CTE affects the brain. And people saying that O.J. Simpson very likely has CTE, that he had those aggressive tendencies weren't something that were part of him. But that because of his injuries, he was more aggressive. He was more uh, all of his erratic, head injuries. His head injury, yeah, mm-hmm. those kind of things in football. And I never even thought about. It. So it's interesting today's context, right? How that affects how I see back- his erratic behavior. Yeah, mm-hmm. which very well may have led to him murdering right. two people. Right. So it's just interesting in that way. Here's the final question before we move on to our buried treasure: Is it something you will continue to watch, John? What do you think? Yeah, definitely. Today? No, I don't think so. I, th- I, I might change my mind. I'm not sure. I'm right. kind of undecided, but right now, no. I'm I'm in the definitely camp too. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep watching if for no other reason than I feel like uh, it's especially with something this that was this prominent mm-hmm. that long ago. I want refreshed on the truth of it, like as they're going mm-hmm. to tell it to me. And I know yeah. it's it's TV, and it's not you know you can only trust yeah. storytelling to a certain degree. But but if they don't do it right because of culture. They're going to get such an immediate backlash. Right, right. So they better so do it right pressure. because right. there's an entire 
population of people with yes, we live the in a internet world, at our hands. Yeah, we live in a world of Reddit yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, Reddit exists, so you're not going to get away with anything. Right. Yeah. So no, that's I totally the part agree. that maybe would be interesting to me is the conversations that are happening on the fringe. You know. So. Yeah. But yeah. Interesting stuff. All right, time to hit our buried treasure. Uh, and these are the things that we would like to uh, make sure you know exist anywhere in the world of pop culture. And uh, we'll start with you, John. What do you got? Uh, well, talking about American crime, I've recently become addicted to the ABC drama American Crime, which is completely different than the O.J. Simpson movie, uh, the O.J. Simpson series. This is a fictionalized story uh, created by John Ridley, who famously who won an Oscar for writing 12 Years a Slave. Every year... They take on a different fictional story, and it's about a crime. And the cast recur a lot of the cast recurs year after year, but they play different characters. So I didn't watch the first season, but the second season is about a student at a private prep school who goes to a party and accuse he accuses uh, the, some of the basketball players of uh, sexually assaulting him. And it's a really tough show to watch, but it's an important show because it deals with issues that we usually don't see on TV. I mean, mm. as I said, it's hard to watch, but this is a male student who, who, who accuses people of sexual assault, and there are all these people who surround him who say men can't be sexually assaulted, but the show is kind of like presenting the reality that men can be sexually assaulted, right. and it's kind of showing what this kid goes through after these accusations come to light. That's awesome. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's really powerful. As tough as that is, I'm glad that that's coming up because there is that part of our culture that does the man shaming thing where like, mm -hmm. you know, men don't cry, they don't have any problems and, you know, mm -hmm. and I think that Well, that and, men, has to and men are sexual beings and women right. aren't. So if there's sexual assault, then it had to come from the man to the woman, you know, because Or that there's no emotional long-term emotional trauma from sexual assault, right. you know, that, for a we man. Don't, for a man. Because we portray it as like mm -hmm. whenever I see the, you know, the teacher who, you know, the female teacher that um uh, that you know has that with a male student it's always like they portray the male student is like yeah you know mm -hmm. and it's like it's I, there are still those traumatic consequences that happen when somebody in authority over you does that so well that's and that's yeah. the kind of conversations that um i i'm glad that are being brought up in pop culture so good good one to bring to the table yeah absolutely. Aaron, what about you what's your buried treasure I, I'm going to say something is a buried treasure, and it's really just a moment that happened in something I watched because I don't know that I would recommend the show to everybody or really anybody. <laughs> it is the UK version of, of Big Brother, Celebrity Big Brother. And the United Kingdom, when they do Big Brother, they don't do any kind of uh, editing, whether it be you know language or anything. They put people in a house, and they see what happens with the fireworks. What was interesting this season uh, on this show is David Bowie's ex-wife was in the Big Brother house when David Bowie passed away. And there is this moment that happens in the show where they tell her, uh, which they're not supposed to do. They're not supposed to give like outside information or whatever. But they tell her because it's so big and because she needs to know that her ex-husband had passed away. And she goes back into the house and tells somebody in the house that David died? Well, here's the thing. There's a contestant on the show named David that had been sick for a couple days. This person thought that she meant the contestant on the show, who she'd been really good friends with, you know, on the show. Died. Died. And she just starts flipping out and freaking out. And it's this huge misunderstanding. I have never seen anything like this. Like a misunderstanding, misunderstanding on that level. on that level caught on tape in that way with all those cameras capturing exactly what happened with everybody's like emotions. Emotion the raw it. emotion of everybody. Because then she's going and telling everybody else in the house that David died. David died. And so they're trying to figure out what's going on and they finally find David and he's he's okay. He's just, you know, resting it's from like being ill. You can't ill. write and this stuff. No. And that's... <laughs> And I will well, say, well, you can write this stuff, but this is the real version of it, right? I will say I get both sides of the reality television debate. I really do. I get people who say it's junk television, <clears throat> uh, you know, that they put caustic personalities together to see what happens. Mm -hmm. I get that. I also get the other side of look at this, look at this, look into human nature and look into us as people. And yes, these are maybe extreme examples of you know people's motivations and psychology or whatever. But I think it's an inter interesting look at ourselves to kind of watch this stuff and to see such a huge misunderstanding like that happen and to think of how easy those things can happen. It's not like it was a it was purposeful and it's not like it was complex. It was just it just happened and it and it changed everything. And I just like it was kind of mind blowing to watch. So I had to bring that up. 
maybe to just to, to find even that section or something and, well that's and what buried treasure is about but, right like hey here's this one part of this big thing that right. was gold yeah yeah and so, Wait, so Alan, were you watching the show before i do i do watch all of the big brothers uh i watch both the uk versions and then the u.s version when it's on in the summer um so it's been a, okay. i've only watched the the uk version the last couple years um, and uh, it's so interesting the differences in the way that they handle those productions. Um, so, anyways, yeah, yeah, I have, I was watching it uh, uh, this season when that happened. So, oh wow, yep, that's mine. Danae, what about you? Well, update on my Google opinion rewards. This is an app. <laughs> weekly update on Danae's rewards. It's been a few weeks, actually. Um, I started using this app on the 11th of October, and I have now accumulated $28.29 um, on using this app. And the importance of it is that if you've got Google Play, they give you Google Play money. And so you have to go spend it within a year which means that whenever there's an app that costs money, you already have it. So I highly recommend Google Opinion Rewards so that you can enjoy apps that cost money without yeah. having to pay for it yourself. So It's um, absolutely changed the way I, I shop, shop for apps. I never yeah. bought apps. Well, that's not true. Uh, I actually did like to invest in apps that I really right. thought were important. Uh, but this has allowed me to really kind of expand that a little bit. There was a, a new app developer um, who released a new version of their game called The Room. And it's like the room one, the room two, the room three. They just released the room three. And it was mm-hmm. a $5 app. And I was like, wow. And it's getting tons of great reviews. So I went back and got their first one, which is 99 cents. So it's uh, affordable even if you don't have Google Opinion Rewards to kind of cover the cost of it. But anyhow, I was going to review something else for Buried Treasure. But then I found this app and I'm having such a good time with it. It's a really great puzzle game. It's a big game. Like it takes them like two two hundred megabytes. So you gotta make sure you got the room. Well, it's because it's and beautiful. the Wi Fi and it's beautiful. I see and what you did there. Make sure you got the room. <laughs> uh-huh. It's got a smooth interplay. Um, it's you know like escape room games. It's similar to that except for that it's all a puzzle box, and then every so you just you're spinning this puzzle around this three dimensional puzzle around, and you're trying to figure out where you can spin something or touch something or twist something, and it's intricate and fun and the ambient noises are fun it kind of there's a storyline going on it can get kind of spooky at a couple of points where you're like what is going on i was actually playing the game at night in the dark and it made this noise and i was like did that just come from my room or was that the game because it kind of freaked me out but it's it only, came from the room it's four puzzles but it takes you know maybe like a couple of hours if is you it just, only four yeah there's four like levels to it um there's a and then there's an epilogue that you can kind of go to as well. So anyhow, I would, I would recommend it. The icon for it says the room and it has a doorknob um, that you can see there. And I thought it, I thought they did a really, really good job. Yeah. If I, you liked it, you can get the next one and so on and so forth. Uh, Danae showed me a little bit of it. I had to get it immediately. I, I echo that. Uh, in fact, if she wasn't going to do it for Buried Treasure, I was going to. Uh, it is right up my alley. I love puzzle games. Reminds me a lot of Mist. Yeah, you know, from back in the day that, and the yeah. mist, like Riven and the Mist games that, that they did. Yeah. Um, f- feels like that. And the puzzle solving is interesting and fun. And and like Mist, it takes place in this very thought out world. And yeah. I think that's fun, too. Like there are notes from, you know, a, a cre- you know, a, a scientist who is, you know, dealing with this stuff. And so there's there's interesting plot to it and everything. And I I've really, really enjoyed it. I'm kind of sad there's only four levels because... I'm just about... I know I'm in the fourth level. I'm in the fourth level right now, I think. But so. there is an epilogue. Okay. So there's a little bit more for you there. All right. Yeah, I was sad when it ended too, but I'm going to... Because I have, you know, all this free money <laughs> from from Google. It's not free. You gave them valuable advertising I information did, I for gave them money. advertising information. Yeah. It is a trade-off, right? Like, yes, right. I just told them whether or not I would buy a Porsche. The answer is no. Here's 15 cents. Sweet. That'll add up over time. (laughs) Right. Were you at Walmart this week? No. Nope. Okay. Here's 12 cents. It's fun. I like it. Good stuff. Well, thanks, guys. Had a good time. John? Thanks. This was fun. Thanks for joining us, John. Hey, how can people connect with you and find more information out about what you do? Uh, They can check out my site, which is johnhanlonreviews.com, or they can follow me on Twitter at johnhanlon. Very cool. 
Well, we encourage you to do so. Thanks so much again for joining us today. Sif Pop is part of the Shoe the Dough podcast network. You can find out more about other live and later shows on the network by following the feed at Mixler.com slash Shoe the Dough. That's mixl rcom slash Shoe the Dough. You can find out more about Aaron and Danae. That's us. Hello. At, at AaronandDanae.com. <laughs> Huge thanks to today's guru, John Hanlon. Woo! You're the best, man. Thanks for oh, coming thank in. Thank you very much. Good uh, luck with the winter time out there in Massachusetts. Yeah, good luck digging out of that oh, snow. Thanks. Uh, much love and gratitude to our Patreon supporters as well, of course, for giving monthly to make this show and others on the Shoe the Dough Network possible. Support does start at a dollar a month and comes with some fun perks. You can find out more info at patreon.com slash Aaron and Danae. Also, if you know of a podcast or have a podcast idea that you'd like to see on the network, let us know. All feedback is welcome at Aaron and Danae at gmail.com. All right. That's it. That's it. It's time to go. Be characters in a Coen Brothers movie. <laughs> I, yeah. What's your quirky, your quirky affect? My quirky affect? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably my random noises. <laughs> <laughs> you mean like the random noises that were coming from a couple rows ahead of us? Hopefully the movie not those. Okay. Hopefully not I was hoping guy. not those too. <laughs> if you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.